pretty through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We have made it as far as the end of the seven-year tribulation period, but it's not done in the book of Revelation. We still have some more chapters to go. But for our purpose, this, this kind of ends the seven-year period. Revelation 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so the first went out and poured his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. And a second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. And then the third, living, uh, third angel poured out his bowl upon the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard an angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and is to come, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. For it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with a great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent nor give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast and his kingdom, and they became like darkness. And they gnawed at their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they were the spirits of demons, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now listen to the red letters. Jesus Christ. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse 16 says, And they gathered them together in a place in the Hebrew called Har-Megeddo, or Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven, And from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightning. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now that great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away, the mountains were not found, and great hail from, fell from heaven upon men. And each hailstone weighed about a hundred pounds. 
and men still blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, since the plagues were exceedingly great. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage. We thank you, Lord, that we have hope in you, not in man. And so, Lord, guide our hearts, instruct us, give us wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. In the last chapter, we saw that the wrath of God was complete uh, on um, planet Earth. It was poured out in its completion. And so this takes us now into chapter 16. If men are not one by grace, they will never be one. That's what chapter 16 tells us. You see, through this seven-year period of time, God has increased his uh, wrath and punishment upon the earth in increments. In the beginning, it was one-fourth was destroyed. And then later on, one-third is destroyed. And now at the end, it is all destroyed. And that describes to us the grace of God. Hence, if men are not won by grace in the beginning and through the tribulation, they certainly won't be won by grace at the end of it, as we see they blasphemed the name of the Lord. Now this chapter, chapter 16, wraps up for us, for our purposes, the seven-year tribulation. 17, 18, and 19 are going to tell us how we get to that battle, but this now becomes the ultimate judgment of God, and at the end, as you have seen, he says, it is done. Now, that's not to tell us die of Jesus when he said it is finished. That's paid in full. This is done, which means there is no more after this. And as we will see, men will come to an end. This planet will be transformed so that you and I will not recognize it when we come back. It is a different landscape. <laughs> and if you're worried about global warming, boy, are you excited today. Because it's got nothing to do with driving an SUV. Are you ready for the end of the world? Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, to the seven angels, go and pour out your bowls of wrath upon the earth. And so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Now, we have talked about since chapter 13, this mark that the Antichrist places upon his followers. It's an allegiance to him. And again, and not to uh, just beat this horse down, but as a believer, is the church here? Wow. Good job. We'll see how first service does, or second service does. What service is this? Is this Saturday night service? Speaking of that, be praying. We might be adding another service. So be praying about that, how we are directed in that. Because I know some of you are like, well, I can't wait for the sunrise 6 a.m. service. Never going to happen. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you early risers. How many of you are older? This is just off topic. How many of you are older and you find yourself waking up earlier? What is that curse? <laughs> what happened? Uh, Oy vey, let's get back. 
So we now see this mark of the beast. People have taken them. Those who did not take the mark of the beast, those are the tribulation saints. They have been uh, put to death. We saw that group last week uh, before the throne of God. And now it seems that God is saying, okay, listen, if you are identifying with evil and with Satan, that you are going to receive this sore. It says that it's foul and loathsome, which means it's painful. It is, are you ready for it? It's oozing. And this is something that you need to remember as we go through the next plagues and next bowls. What we're going to see is a succession really quickly of time. Because as you notice at the end, there's going to be no sea, and the earth is on fire. So this isn't something that is happening over months. This is probably happening over uh, either a week or weeks. There is no way the population on planet earth can survive this event through months. Because I don't know if you figured it out, Humans need water, and we're going to see all of that is gone. Everything is gone. Everything is about to be gone. What you know, and what this does is it puts proper perspective in the life of a believer, because think about all the time we put into things here on planet Earth. And the things that we focus in on polishing and I'm trying to get this career and this job. And there's nothing wrong with having that. But at the end of the day, it's all going to burn. It all will mean nothing. What means something is what you do for Christ on this side of that trumpet blast. What you're doing right now matters. What you're doing at work matters. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Helping people say, you don't want to go through chapter 16. And I want you to be reminded of this, and we'll get to that when we get to the red letters, is that this is not written to unbelievers. This is written to the church. This is written to those people inside of the church, as we will see, as instruction of what is coming. All right, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl upon the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Now, we have already seen a quarter of the sea die earlier, and possibly uh, a little bit of that came back, and then a third. And now we see the entire ocean gone. We, We live here at Myrtle Beach. So can you imagine what the smell? Now, when we went through that first section of the quarter of the sea being wiped out, remember we talked about how uh, most of the oxygen on planet Earth comes not from trees. That is a misnomer. I mean, I want to save rainforest in Brazil. That's exciting. That is not where we get our oxygen. 70% of our oxygen comes from the sea. See, this is the problem with people not being actually edumacated in schools. Amen? They are brainwashed to think that the trees are the lungs of the planet. They're not. Plankton are the lungs of the planet. And the sea provides 70% of the oxygen that we humans breathe. Now, what happens when there 
is little to no oxygen, and it starts dropping the oxygen level, and now it goes into the 14-15 range. Because in a minute, we're going to burn everything up. So what is that doing? People are now gasping for air. How terrible would that be to be maybe a week long, two weeks long? Not only do I have sores, right, that are oozing and they're painful, but now I'm gasping for air because the seas are gone. There is no sea life. And again, I love whales, but they're going to be gone soon. You know, what's interesting is that God created this planet and the seas are important to that. On Wednesday night, we had a little science lesson uh, of uh, astronomy. and it, It's just wonderful. I, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but in the new heavens and the new earth, there is no sea. So you people who love the sea, you better get used to it. There's no sea. Because the seas that we have on our planet regulate temperature, give us oxygen, Give us everything that we need. God created it that way. It's a masterful design. You could not create a better system than what God did. Well, now the lungs of the planet are gone, and uh, uh, and the smell of it. The third angel, verse 4, poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And now what happened? Now there's no water. There's no water to wash your sores. There's no water to drink. And so mankind will go thirsty. How long will this be? It can't be long. It has to happen one after another. Perhaps it is seven literal days that this is going to take place. But note what God says here about that specifically the blood in the oceans and the blood in the water. Please note with me, it says, I heard an angel of the waters. There's one angel. His job is water. Aren't you happy about that? His job is to keep whatever is going, going. And I I just think the arrogance of man to think that he can control any of that. And the angel says, you are righteous, O Lord. The one, who, uh, the one who is and was and who is to be because you have judged these things. And why? For they have shed. This is the earth dwellers. This, these are those who do not have Christ in their life. The nations of the world. They have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. That is from the beginning of time until the tribulation saints as well. And you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. God says, you want to shed my people's blood, then you're going to drink it. Heavy, isn't it? Listen, let me just say this too. This is really going to happen. You might have family members and friends who think, ah, that's going to be way in the future. Have you heard that? Like, that'll never happen. Armageddon, people talk about it all the time. Read 2 Peter. We're going to get to 2 Peter 3 and talk about one section. But Pete talks about what will happen in our day when people say, ah, you've been talking about it since the beginning of time that it's going to happen. And by them saying that, they are fulfilling prophecy. Since the 
the fathers have fallen asleep. We keep hearing about the judgment of God, but when it comes, Jesus says, it will be as a thief in a night. It will come upon them suddenly, and they will not be able to escape that. Guys, this is really coming. Is it 50 years? Is it 100 years? I will tell you, it's not 1,000 years away. I would give, if I had to put a bet on it, and I won't put a bet on it because I'll be dead and it won't matter anyway. And you won't be able to come after me. I would say there, I, I could not foresee it being the past 100 years. And then I would lessen that. I mean, you can't set dates. You're not allowed to. But what we see, what COVID has done, the, 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 the fast track to just all points evil on planet Earth, uh, it is really getting going. It's funny, not in a funny ha-ha way, but funny how God uh, deals with mankind. He says, you've shed much blood, so I'm going to have you drink it. What you sow to, you will reap. In fact, you're going to reap the whirlwind. He said, I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord, o- Uh, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Learn that phrase. Because when we're in heaven, we're going to say yay and amen. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Nothing God ever does is wrong. Everybody got that? We might think it's wrong. Other people might think that God's wrong. Nothing he ever does is wrong. We don't see it from his perspective. Everybody got that? We are this little human being that thinks that we, we, we are control freaks thinking that our humanity should, uh, should transfer to God and God should think like we do. But he's outside of time. He created us. We are fallen beings on planet earth with sinful natures that are redeemed by Jesus Christ. I don't get his ways all the time and neither do you. And are you ready for it? It's okay. Your ways are just and true, even if I don't understand them, Lord. Are you okay with that? What was it like for Abraham to be told that he would have a child and the dude waits 25 years? How's that? And then Sarah comes up with this plan, and then he's an idiot and follows the plan. Oh, don't let Abraham off the hook. He was done multiple times. Don't you love that we have a Bible? That shows the failure of men and women. We don't have a book that says, I mean, you read it and everybody's a hero. You see, if man wrote the Bible, that's what he would do. That's why we know it's from God. Because David's failure's in there. Abraham, Noah, they're all in there. The fourth angel, verse 8. Poured out his bowl on the sun. And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Okay, we're going to go to the Old Testament twice. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah 24, verse 6. Therefore, 
The curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Let's do the other one, Malachi 4.1. That is the end of the Old Testament. By the way, Malachi 4 is talking about this whole time of the great day of the Lord. And he says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. How many of you have ever been in Arizona during the summertime? And those weirdos say, but it's a dry heat. And you go, so is an oven, but I, put, I don't put my head in it. Just saying. I was there, it was 120 degrees. Burning like Arizona. That's what you should say right here. Those people. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be like stubble. And the day in which it is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord God of hosts, and they will leave them neither root nor branch. What is that saying? That's saying that all the vegetation will be completely consumed. All the forest will be gone. Let's turn back to Revelation. And so the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, but they did not repent and give him glory. Now, what does great heat mean? It means great heat. Now, we have, a, we have something on this planet called ice. Have you ever seen it? We got them in the poles, and we got them in Greenland. Now, I want you to imagine this scene. The sea is already blood, right? And now, God either turns down our electric, uh, electric magnetic pole that we have, Um, that keeps the radiation from coming in and heating us up anyway. Maybe he just turns the rheostat down. And now Antarctica and the Arctic and Greenland and all of the glaciers, they all start to melt. And I would suggest that they are going to melt in a very quick fashion. I mean, if you take an ice cube and put it on a South Carolina driveway in July, it's gone real quick, right? So what does the Arctic, the Antarctic, and uh, Greenland ice sheets mean? Well, this is what it means. It means 200 feet higher than it is now. Now, I know that may not seem like a big deal, but that's the whole planet. You know where 200 feet is? Just around Columbia. That means... The entire East Coast is underwater. When it says every island flees away, now you know why. Because the islands are covered with water. So everybody on the coasts are gone. And they have either drowned or they have to move to Columbia. And I don't know about you, but Columbia is hot enough in the summer. 
let alone God's burning of the fire. Amos 9.5 says this, The Lord God of hosts, he shall touch the earth and it shall melt. You see, all of these verses in the Old Testament, they're obscure until you put them in their proper perspective where they need to go, and they're applying right here. And so Amos, by the Holy Spirit, is telling us something that he doesn't know is going to happen in his life, or he thinks it's going to happen in his life, life, but it's going to happen further. So now we have all the ice sheets gone, 200 feet of water, and now that water is still blood. 200 feet more, and now we're all up in Columbia. But note the rest of that verse in verse 9. I almost went past that, and it's important. And they blaspheme the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Now, remember, they know exactly who uh, is pouring out this wrath. They know that it is from Jesus. It is from the Father, they know that it is because of their sin, and they have chosen to go with uh, Satan rather than God. But they're still cursing him, and they're blaspheming his name. Now, I want you to remember that blaspheming because we'll get to an Old Testament principle in a minute. By the way, this chapter, uh, I, I have this good-bad thing right now. It, it's it's bad for me to teach because I know what's coming on humanity. And my heart breaks for those who do not trust in Jesus. But it's really exciting to teach it as a pastor. Because there is so much in here that God is doing and so much going on on the planet and so many hidden things that God has. Let's keep going. I know I shouldn't be smiling, but it's exciting. People have an opportunity right now to accept Jesus. You know that, right? And they're making their choices now. And they will make that choice in the tribulation when they see that angel flying around saying, don't take the mark of the beast. And they take it anyway. It is on them. God sends nobody to hell. You send yourself. He is a loving God. And through this seven-year period, he has given ample opportunity for people to come to us. And there will be millions of these tribulation saints in heaven. Hopefully, they've got a little shirt on, Tribulation Saints. We can see who they are. <laughs> I have no idea. There I am. <laughs> I was like, where am I? I know what you're thinking. We don't know where you are. Verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl, notice, on the throne of the beast and on his kingdom, and it became full of darkness, and they gnawed at their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. So, the kingdom of the Antichrist is the entire planet by this point. But it's specifically Babylon. And we will get into that where Babylon is uh, in the next couple of chapters, I don't think it's New York. I don't think it's London. I don't even think it's Rome. Uh, there, there's a very good possibility, we'll get into this, that the new Babylon is the old Babylon. When Saddam Hussein was still alive and destroying and pillaging and killing everybody, 
He was rebuilding Babylon to the tune of billions of dollars. He wanted to be the next Nebuchadnezzar. That guy's a piece of work, wasn't he? We'll get into that when we get into Babylon. So wherever the kingdom is, but I happen to believe that it's the entire world because they have, they have pretty much at this point all taken the mark of the beast. Nobody is left except the earth dwellers, not the tribulation saints. It is very possible by the time this happens, there are no tribulation saints. They're all killed by this time, which means the only people left <laughs> are the people who are in some bunker cave, you know, five miles deep which there are earthquakes, so that's not going to save you anyway, you bunker people. Rethink your plan there, buddy. And Elon Musk thinks he's going to get out of it when he's up in Mars. <laughs> Don't encourage. But notice what happens. This is a plague from Egypt, by the way. A lot of these plagues are from Egypt. Remember, the Egyptians had all of these gods. And every plague that God poured upon Egypt was against one of the Egyptian gods. It's very interesting to do the parallel of all of them. The god, right, uh, of the river and of the sky and the fly god and all of these gods. And Moses walks in with Aaron and they destroy all of that by the power of God. And it says that the darkness fell upon Egypt, but not on Goshen. The the children of Israel weren't affected by this plague. But this is a worldwide plague. And note with me, because of the pain, I want you to know something about hell right here. That hell is pain. And it's the pain that you want to gnaw your tongue on. Now, I have had some severe pain in my life but probably not to the place where I want to gnaw my own tongue off. That's huge, isn't it? And again, it says, they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Well, verse 12 says, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. So this plague is tied with the plague of the burning heat. Remember when I said all the sheets of ice, glaciers, everything melted away, right? Well, at some point, that's going to run out, and the rivers are going to go dry. Now, the river Euphrates, the headwaters of the river Euphrates and the Tigris, and they, this is ancient. This is a, this, we go back to Genesis. That river has been flowing, and it is well known that Euphrates was the border of east and west. It was the Babylonian territory, and it marked the world. Even in Marco Polo's day and Alexander the Great's day, it was the border. Now, the headwaters of uh, the Euphrates come from here. In northern Turkey up by close to Armenia is Mount Ararat or the Ararat Mountains, right? Now, when I say the Ararat Mountains to you, what does that bring to your remembrance? Anything in the Bible? It's a little boat called Noah's Ark landed on Mount Ararat. Now, 
we don't know what mountain because it's a range of mountains called Ararat. And they're very tall, 16,000 and up, and they're huge. I actually flew over them one time, uh, <laughs> flying over Iran, uh, uh, going south that way, and it was the uh, winter time, and they're, they're just like the Himalayas. They're, they're incredible, and you could see Mount Ararat in the distance. It stands out. Now, whether or not this is the actual uh, Mount Ararat that Noah parked his, um, you know, his ark on, it's like kids remember where we parked. But that mountain, and one, one in particular, um, the glaciers on that mountain never recede. It's always in ice. It's like the Himalayan mountains. Uh, and then in the summertime, it lightly comes back and forth, and guys over the years have thought they had spot something in there, some wood product. We don't know. But I'll tell you what's funny about this period. Remember I told you it's great as a pastor to teach? Because what if, and I'm going to leave the if out, but what if God, at, through the burning, as he burns everything up and the river Euphrates dries up, that that sucker is shown on a mountain and the whole earth goes, uh-oh. Because the whole earth doesn't believe in that. That's a myth. That's a story you tell to the kids. That's not, Noah's ark is not real. What if God said, what do you think of me now? Because he told Noah that I will not destroy the earth with flood. But I will do it in a different way. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. You see, God is amazing. And he, he has an amazing way of communicating things to us human beings. Let's start in verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water and by which the world that existed perished by being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which now are, are preserved by the same word and reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition upon ungodly men. Let me just finish reading this. Listen how powerful this section is. But beloved, don't forget this one thing that with the Lord is one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. There's your global warming. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, listen, listen to what Pete says. 
Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Do you know why the book of Revelation is written? So that this verse would play out in your life. If you know that all things are going to happen, how are you to live now? Peter says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Powerful, isn't it? Go back to Revelation. So now that the earth has burned up everything, tree, rivers, dried everything up, the kings of the east, that is the Orient, and whatever configuration that confederation is, they come marching across the river Euphrates. Verse 13 says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons. Now, we've already seen this in a couple chapters ago, different hordes of demons. Notice they're performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. So they're going out to the nations, and they're going to, as we'll see in a minute, bring them all to the valley of Jezreel. Mm -hmm. Now listen, here's verse 15, red letters. In the midst of the world blowing up, Jesus brings a word of encouragement to the church. This is not for those on planet Earth during this time. He's not saying that they're not repenting. Did you see that? This is not for them. This is for us as we're reading it. I'm thankful that Jesus says, "Uh, Dad, I got to give them a little break or their heads are going to blow up. Okay. But listen, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they be ashamed. Okay, there is so much in the Bible that the, uh, during the time that the writers write it that we have no idea what they're talking about. And at the end of that, there is something that happens inside of a Roman cohort or a Roman battalion or a Roman platoon. And if you had a group of guys together, now, anybody know the penalty if you were a Roman soldier in falling asleep? Anybody know? You would be killed. Yes, but in reality, your entire platoon would be put to death. Okay, <laughs> kind of serious now, isn't it? So let's say you got 12 guys, and they're in this little group, and they don't want to fall asleep, and they don't want to have anyone else fall asleep. So if one of their guys did fall asleep and one of their uh, soldier friends saw them falling asleep, they would take their spear, put it into the fire. (laughs) It gets better. Now, do you know that the Romans wore little miniskirts? All right, let's just call it what it is. They were leather and metal. They're this miniskirts, all right? 
they could run in them. <laughs> they didn't have pants back then. So what they would do is the soldier would take his spear, put it in the fire, and they would lay it upon the soldier's garment, and eventually it would catch on fire. That'll wake you up. And that his garment would fall off, and he would be naked and ashamed. See how the Bible sometimes, if you just don't know how the writer knows. John knows that. Paul knows the customs of the Romans. And so what is Jesus saying? Don't be asleep. Watch. How many people in the church are asleep right now? Awaken, you sleeper, the Bible says. So in the church, we need to do what Jesus says, which is this. Watch. Not only that, but keep your garment clean. Be an example. Don't have it catch on fire. Those are just good words from Jesus. In the midst of the world destroying itself and falling apart, Jesus tells us the church, hey, be careful, because I'm coming at an hour when you least, when you don't think. And verse 16 says, he get, comes back to the narrative, and he says, and they gathered them together to a place in Hebrew called Harmageddon, or Armageddon. In the Hebrew, it's Har, that means mountain. Megiddo is the city of Megiddo. The Valley of Jezreel, it's in the northern portion of Israel. Uh, if you go to Israel with us, if we ever go back to Israel, you'll be able to stand up on top of Har Megiddo, uh, the, the mountain of Megiddo, and you can look into the plain. You can see Mount Carmel uh, down to the south towards the uh, ocean, and then towards the right-hand side, it goes all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. It's a huge valley. And so he gathers them together in the place called Armageddon. Now, a couple of chapters ago, we read how uh, God sent an angel to reap the earth. Remember that? To put his sickle inside and the blood came up to the horse's bridle. That's Armageddon. Isn't it interesting that there's no other description of Armageddon than just he gathers them get together and that they are, they're just completely slaughtered at this point. This is what's going to happen from different portions of Scripture. You've got to put it all together. They all gather together in this great battle. But at some point, Jesus comes back with us, riding on white horses, puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, and then the armies who are fighting themselves turn their attention towards Jesus like they think an Abram tank's going to do anything to our Lord. And then it says a sharp sword goes out of his mouth and they're all wiped out. That's the sickle. Now it's done. So a uh, little anticlimactic about the Armageddon, huh? See, the world thinks Armageddon is nuclear war. It's not. It has nothing to do with that. It is the final battle in the seven-year period of time where mankind has made his choice to fight each other and then eventually go towards God. Verse 17 says, Then the angel said, pour out his bowl into the air, and with a loud voice came out of the temple of the heaven from the throne saying, it's done. So this is God, the Father, speaking to the planet. It's done. And for seven years, he has gradually brought the heat hotter and hotter, giving people an opportunity 
But at some point, he now shuts the temple off from last chapter, and he pours it all out on mankind. It's done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightning, and there was a great earthquake, such as a mighty great earthquake, as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And so it, it is going to change the planet that we know today. So what we know today will not be the planet when we come back to rule and reign with Christ. We'll get to that a little later. And so note with me what happens. Now that great city, that is Jerusalem, write that next to that if you don't. And now Jerusalem was divided into three parts, and the city of the nations fell And great Babylon was remembered before God to give up her cup of the wine of the fierceness of her wrath. So somehow Jerusalem is affected by this. It could very well be because there are other passages that tell us that when Jesus puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, when he comes down, remember the angel said, you see see Jesus going up in the air? He said "In in like manner he will come back. So in the same spot. He's going to land, and when he lands, it says there, uh, there's a crack that happens, a, a, a fissure happens, and it opens up the land, and water is going to go to the Dead Sea and then to the Mediterranean Sea, it says, for the healing of the nations. So the blood that is there will instantly be, it's like Jesus chlorine, right? It completely cleans everything up. But when he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, and that, that happens, this is what could be describing that, this earthquake that divides Jerusalem, but hits the entire world so much so that verse 20 says, every island fled away. So in the thousand-year reign of Christ, there is no Hawaii. So don't think, hey, when I rule in the way of Christ, I'm going to ask for Hawaii. Go ahead. There is none. Not only that, you're thinking, hey, I like to be in Aspen. Nope. The mountains are gone. What does that mean? Does the earthquake shake 12, 14,000 feet mountains to the ground? I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. But whatever it is, the planet just gets a complete leveling of everything. And great hail, verse 21, fell from heaven upon men. And each hailstone weighed about a talent, and a Roman talent was about 100 pounds. A Jewish talent was about 70, but at the end of the day, does it really matter if 70 or 100 pounds are hitting you? You're done. Right? Like, if a softball hail hits you, you're done. So... At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So we're calling it 100. It fell upon men, a weight of about 100 uh, 100 pounds, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hailstone, since that plague was exceedingly great. Now, through this chapter, we have seen uh, the earth dwellers blaspheming God. Yes? Over and over. What is the punishment for blaspheming in the Old Testament? It is stoning. Oh, 100 pound stone. You want to talk about done. When God says it's done, it's done. 
And whoever blasphemed God just got a hundred pound hailstone hitting them. Isn't that powerful? See, what you sow to, you will reap. You will weep the, the whirlwind. God is giving us the opportunity now not to be hit by a 100-pound hailstone. Now, notice how that chapter just like ends, right? It just ends because there's nothing else. What do you do when you've got a great earthquake? The seas are blood. The sea is up. Every island gone. The mountains are down, done. And there are flattened people with hailstones. Where do you go from there, right? Well, next week and over the next few uh, weeks, Lord willing, we will see how we get to Armageddon. So remember how I told you that the Bible is not in chronological order, and sometimes it's very frustrating to not be in in our Western mind. You're like, just put it in order, but they don't do it that way. And God doesn't do it that way, and we need to be okay with that. Now he's going to describe to us how we get to the battle of Armageddon and the destruction of this worldwide system known as Babylon that is as old as Genesis, the first, uh, uh, the first world religion, not Judaism, not the true and the living God, man-based religion. So read ahead over the next few weeks, 17, 18, 19, to get us to Armageddon again. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word and for your grace and your mercy, Lord, that we can bypass all of this, Lord, that we put our hope and our trust in you, not in men, not in governments. Lord, this world is about to be transformed by your wrath. And so, Lord, let us have the proper perspective on our stuff that we have on planet Earth. And so, Lord, we give you all the glory Just and true are your your judgments, O Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you clothe us with a white garment. Lord, that you, you delight in us, as we heard from David on Wednesday. So, Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for those serving. In Jesus' name, amen.